0: after constantly being bombarded with emails, phone calls, and text messages on a daily basis, asking, what would you do? Sometimes it's an, oh crap, I made a mistake, help me. And sometimes it's just a question about the latest technology and do we feel it's worth the investment? We wanna help answer all of these questions. So, welcome to What Would Larry Do? featuring Dr. Ann. We'll be interviewing experts in the industry to help answer the questions that you desire to know the answers to. And now, it's time for What Would Larry Do, featuring Dr. Anne. Hello,
1: and welcome to What Would Larry Do? I am Dr. Anne, and I am here with Larry Helwig. And today we are interviewing one of the experts of our industry, Dr. Sunil Chilakuri. He is the director of cosmetic surgery at Refresh Dermatology in Houston, Texas. He's a board certified and internationally recognized expert on cosmetic and reconstructive surgery. For over 20 years, Dr. Curry has been perfecting techniques for non-surgical facelifts and advancing how cosmetic dermatology can help patients achieve their skincare goals. He has been published in over 50 medical journals and has over 250 abstracts and presentations around the world. He is also the creator of the C-Lift, which is a non-surgical facelift, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. So the evolution of facelifting, is there really a non-surgical facelift? So what do you guys think?
2: Well, Dr. Chilakuri, I think we're going to take this directly to you because you have created the C-Lift.
3: So tell us about it. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me. First of all, it's really an honor to be here. And for those of you at home who are listening, uh, if you don't know Dr. Ann and Larry, they are world renowned. I get to share the podium with them quite often. And we learn from each other and really advancing what we can do for you and keep you looking the same forever. So my goal is what we've done with my wife. When we met, she was 20-something, she's 40-something now, if I can say that on radio, and she looks about the same. So what has she done? She maintains herself by going to the gym, eating healthy, and everything like that. What I've gotten the opportunity to do is to make sure that as things come along, we're doing preventative medicine as well as restorative medicine. And what the C-Lift entails is really putting everything together. So it's a combination of skincare, neuromodulators, which will regulate and change the strength of a muscle to prevent lines from getting etched in. We use fillers and collagen stimulators. So if you think about that at home, they're called hyaluronic acid. Some of the brand names you may have heard at home is Restylane, Juvederm. In terms of the neuromodulators, you might have heard the term Botox, Dysport, ZMN, Jiveau, all these little ingredients that we have to make sure when we put it together for that person on that day, it's going to be customized to keep them looking the same, if Mm -hmm. not younger.
2: Yeah. so in one of our podcasts we talked briefly about the face mm-hmm. you know we talked i think maybe resurfacing maybe one of those but one of the things that i think we brought up is that the four components of the face so you've got skin which we all see every day we have fat that's underneath the skin and sometimes it falls, and sometimes it sort of protrudes out like eye bags and under the chin and that type of thing is submental fat. And sometimes it disappears, you know. We just start to lose it a little bit or it moves, you know. So we've got skin, we've got fat, we've got muscle. And, you know, our masseters and what have you, we lose about 1% per year starting at age 40, so that's going to change. The fourth ingredient, of course, is bone, and bone, of course, shrinks. And so you have four different components in the face, all of them changing all of the
3: time. So how, how do you look at that, how do you evaluate that? So that's great. I literally look at it like building a house or keeping a house upright. And so one of those things is the foundation. So the foundation like you described is the bone. If you don't have the proper foundation, no matter what you put around there, it's not gonna hold. Uh, another way to look at it is a tent. So if the bone is the, the poles that keep up the tent and you might need also some of those fat pads to keep up that tent, if, they're not, if that structure is not there properly, you're not going to get the results that you want. You're not going to look natural. And then, of course, the muscle. So is, if you've been grinding your teeth for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, what happens? That lower part of your face where the jawline is, it gets massive. And that looks great on a bodybuilder. It looks great if you're the rock right? The wrestler. But <laughs> it doesn't look great on somebody like Dr. Ann. It'd look weird, right? She's out mm-hmm. of proportion. So you, I, I look at all of those aspects. And the best way to evaluate a patient is just to have a conversation. We talk about their kids. We talk about the weather. We talk about where they grew up. And watching the dynamics of all that come together gives us an idea where to start and how to start.
1: Yeah. And that's good. You know, Actually, one of the first couple podcasts that we did was literally discussing how the face ages. So we've got, you know, the five different things. We always go into the color, the tone, the texture, the tightening, and the volume loss. So we like to really attack those things. And so we know there's definitely devices out there to create non-surgical facelifts, but we have to go after all of these different areas. So let's talk about one of the areas when we're dealing with some of that laxity, how are energy-based devices and collagen stimulation You know, how can they do this and really back up time?
3: So I think there's great opportunities for what we have today. When we're using heat-based devices, we can damage, actually, the collagen. We denature it temporarily and stimulate the fibroblast to grow and create new collagen. One of the byproducts of that is the elastin. And if you think about, you take a little piece of skin, you pull it out, and it snaps back. That's your elastin. The collagen is the structure that keeps it there. So how can we keep recreating that? Well, one is... Damaging it by mm-hmm. actually putting some heat inside there. One is going to be mechanical trauma. So everybody's loves this microneedling, this craze that's been out there. We've actually been doing it for twelve years. I got to train with Des Fernandez. He's a plastic surgeon out of South Africa. He's one of the first people that created this little dermal stamper and then a roller that's there. And now we've taken, it. of course, we're the U.S., so we want to make everything mechanical and sometimes battery-operated, I hate to say that out loud, Dr. Ann, but we put (laughs) (laughs) battery-operated devices there that are going to enhance the results that you can do because it's going to make it less variable, so we're going to get those great results. So that's the mechanical side. We talked about the heat. We talked about mechanical. Then we have to talk about structure and and resurfacing. So how do we do that? Well, One is simple. At home, you can use a retinoid or a retinol, and what that's going to do is keep shedding that skin or really changing the skin cycle from 28 to 30 days of shedding to every seven days, so your skin looks healthy all the time. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, what you guys have talked about in the past is the resurfacing that we have. So CO2 lasers, carbon dioxide laser, erbium YAG laser, and what can we do with those, whether we feather it, whether we do a deep uh, treatment to really enhance what we're talking about in terms of of what you're describing, that skin laxity or skin Mm -hmm. looseness.
1: Yeah. No. And that's good because there's the thing is, is there's a place for surgery and there's not, you know, some patients just come in saying, I just, I don't want surgery. We were just talking about this earlier today with one of your patients that she's a a great looking lady, but she's just, I don't want anything that's surgical. What can you do to help me? And I know that's where Larry and I always talk about that. Sometimes people think that the facelift is the only way to go or we start quoting them prices and they're like, oh, well, I might as well just go get a facelift. I'm thinking, but that doesn't necessarily address everything. So for patients who are out there, there really is an option for non-surgical facelift, but you've got to build that house. You've got to do it all right. So one of those possibilities may be doing skin tightening devices. And if we do, the other question is, is how many treatments of this do patients have to usually do?
3: Well, that's a great question. Larry, you and I were talking about this earlier. It really depends on the, it's not even how old they are. It's how old their skin is. Yes. And there's a big difference there. So earlier in a podcast, we were talking about, are they smoking? Are they sitting out by the sun? Are they doing anything else that's affecting their skin quality? Mm -hmm. Do they happen to be working in an oil refinery where there may be more pollutants? Do they go swimming in Louisiana lakes, right? That's Mm -hmm. definitely Mm going to cause some skin damage there as far as we know. And so it's all a question of what's their skin age. And if Mm -hmm. their skin age is as a 20-year-old, guess what? We can throw them on once a year where they're doing an IPL. I think every single person should get an IPL or intense pulse light Mm -hmm. at least a minimum once or twice a year. It's like going to the dentist, and that's Mm going to keep you looking the same or younger 10, 20, and 30 years out. And that paper was actually written. It came out of Foshan, China, doing a prospective study of over 2,000 patients and tracking their photographs and seeing that they looked better at 10 years out Than they did when they first started with the dermatologist Mm -hmm. that's incredible what we can do so i I think it depends on the the skin age if you're talking about somebody who may be a skin age of 30 do they come in with their ipl at least once or twice a year and then we add a skin tightening device like your radio frequency devices or radio frequency plus ultrasound usually in their skin age of 40 we have to talk about tightening the muscle because what you have is that little bit of jowling that you mm-hmm. see just starting to drape down. I know neither one of you guys have it, but <laughs> I definitely have it at this in my, you know, as I'm spitting on 50. You can mm-hmm. see there's a little difference that's going on here. And so that becomes the question of when do we add something that's an uh, a ultrasound-based type tightening or radio frequency. Mm -hmm. microneedling type tightening that goes on there. Uh, Or where do we put in our threads? Maybe now is the time that we start adding a little Mm -hmm. thread. And there's different types of threads. There's PLLA threads, that's Mm -hmm. poly lactic acid threads. There's PDO threads, that's polydiaxone that's inside there. And if we want that lift with something that's going to go ahead and dissolve over the next year, we're going to put a PLLA thread in. Mm -hmm. But if you want something that gets a little bit more oomph temporarily, we may add a PDO thread in there. Mm -hmm. So that we have so many different tools at our disposable these days yeah we've talked about tools a little
2: bit in the past you know we all have a toolbox and in that toolbox gives us options for each patient and but what you have to think about is some people will have you know three tools in their toolbox and the next office will have 20 and, you know, how good are you with the tools you ha- own? In other words, how much training you've had and how you understand it and how you're using it in your clinic. And so I think all of that comes to play with this because you nowadays you have to have enough quality tools. You do. You can't... Um, I said in the last po- podcast, you know, if the only thing you've got is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? So, you know, it goes back to the same thing all the time. And I'm in offices all over the country, and they've got two devices, or, or and that's it. And they want to do face, and they want to do neck, and chest, and body, and all that. And I don't know how they do it. Um, well, they don't.
3: They don't do it well. Well, th- th- th-
2: thank you. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you know, they're trying to use this uh, this hammer on everything right. that they see, and that's and that's what's happening. And so, I think we have to be careful. You know, if you're a consumer out there and you want something done, you know, you got to go to the website, see what they've got, see who they are. It's a starting point, right? Just a starting point. And when you go in, you've got to really talk to these people and interview them, and you know, what's their experience, and and do they really have what is needed and if they say it, it you don't have to be an expert in all the technologies but if they say they're going to use a technology you know feel free to look it up you know and, and get into it a little bit because um, People that only have two or three things are going to have a really, really hard time with the majority of the people. You're going to be lucky sometimes, but we tend to stack technology, and we've talked about that, you know, on the body. Well, we do the same thing on the face, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we. I don't think there's ever a time we use one Technology on a face and skincare can be called a technology, if you will. And we use skincare, of course, mm-hmm. but but it's just one thing. You know, we'll use radio frequency, and we talked to you. Dr. Chiliker, talked about microneedling, and we'll we'll do that, and we'll do different RF skin tightening devices, and we'll we'll use lasers and IPL. And you've heard some of our uh, podcasts on that. So you, I think you have to have enough. You know, tools in your toolbox that you can look at everybody and come up with a great solution so that everybody benefits. No, I agree.
3: And I relate it this way. Think about this. Have either one of you guys ever fixed a a toilet or fixed a, a leak under your sink?
1: No, that's why I'm married. Right, <laughs> <laughs> But your husband has that. Yes. Yeah. I just made him fix my right. sink the other day. <laughs> see, there you go.
3: I have and I'm no longer a plumber. Okay. I'm I, I, right. horrible. But what do we have in our toolbox at home? I've, mm-hmm. got, a, I've, I've got a monkey wrench. Yeah. I've got a couple of things, but yeah. I couldn't loosen one of the, the nuts that's underneath the, the sink. So I said, all right, let me call a professional and see, just see how he does it.
2: Yeah.
3: He brought three different tools just for that lug nut. One is to, to release it. One was to take it off, and then a different one was to torque it properly. And I was like, oh, well, that's why I couldn't do it, because I didn't have the proper tools. But not only did I not have the right tools, I didn't even have the knowledge to know that I needed those tools. Yeah. So I would caution all of those who are listening today, especially if you're a consumer, meaning just like me, you get stuff, some work done, don't just listen to the brand name that's out there. That's some company that's just promoting their one technology. Mm-hmm. But look at the category that that physician or provider wants to give you. Mm-hmm. Is it a category of, like you said, radio frequency? We haven't talked about brand names. Who cares mm-hmm. what the brand name is as long as it works consistently? Is it cryolipolysis? Is it a laser? Well, what type of laser is it? What of laser is it? Is it a 1927 thulium laser? And why do you use a 1927 from this company versus that company? Did you try the old one? Did you try the new one? What's the difference? And so that's what we do all day long. Mm-hmm. If you ever jump on our Facebook page, we do a bunch of live demonstrations and we're doing split face studies all the time. If you look two Fridays ago, we did one with two radio frequency microneedling devices from the same company and they encouraged me to buy the new one. And I said, okay, that's another 100,000. Actually with the trade in, it's gonna be another 100,000. Why would I buy the new one? And is what they're feeding me, is it just BS? Mm -hmm. Or is it there actual some science behind it? the science actually made sense. We talk about when we're putting needles and putting energy in between those needles on the face to tighten the skin and keep the skin looking rejuvenated. Every single part of the face has different impedance. That's how much resistance is there to that energy that you're putting inside yep. there. So this particular device actually changes the uh, the amount of energy going in every mm-hmm. single time because it's doing real-time feedback to the machine. Mm. I said, "Huh?" All right. Impedance intelligence. Impedance intelligence. Right? It's frigging amazing. But then the question becomes, does it give you a clinical difference or not? Right? And how do we know that? Because they haven't shown me any studies. They showed me histology on a a porcine model. For those of you at home who don't do research, sign means it's a pig, so this is you can grab a piece of bacon and try it on a piece of bacon at home, right? <laughs> or, maybe, a pig foot. or a pigfoot, or a pigfoot. Maybe not quite so much, <laughs> but but in reality, what does it really make a difference? And what we saw with just and the patient was on, like I said, Facebook Live Refresh Dermatology. She texted me three days later, showing me she's like, "Wow," and she's it was a blind test. It's like Pepsi versus Coke. The one that you did on the right. Is healed up almost immediately and the one on the left is still has these track marks I said okay that's fine let's see what it looks like in a month and is there gonna be a difference so that's what we're waiting for
1: good yeah no and that's important and you know just from where we started with this whole conversation is patients are always wondering how many treatments does it take how many you know what do I have to do to get there and I really like how we're trying to drive home the importance of maintenance you know or enhancement that It may take two, four, or six treatments to get your correction, but then we have to get you on the world of enhancement. So when we're working on the skin and the laxity and the texture portion, you always have to maintain. Because I always tell my patients, you're on an aging train and I can't stop it. (laughs) I love that. I can (laughs) slow it down, (laughs) but there's no stopping this train. I love that. But the other big key of it, you know, and this is probably where your C-lift fits into it, is using dermal fillers. So how are dermal fillers important for the volume loss and this whole non-surgical facelift?
3: That's a great question. So for those of you who are research geeks like I am or scientists, we now have over 110 different types of fillers worldwide. Out of those, 16 are FDA approved at this moment for the U.S. Mm -hmm. In our office, we have 27. And you said, wait a minute, if there's only 16 approved, yeah. why do you have 27? Because we're doing so much research all the time and trying to see is there something that's going to be better that's coming out. So sometimes they're FDA approved, but all of them are IRB studies, meaning that uh, institute, review board, making sure that we don't hurt a patient. Yeah. That's the number one thing. And there's different categories of quote-unquote fillers. There's hyaluronic acid fillers, and like we said, the popular brand names are Juvederm mm-hmm. and Restylane. There's also uh, Belotero. And yeah. all three companies are rep- represented. And, and Versa. And Bursa. And that's one of my favorites now. It's, uh, they all work differently. Yes. And what I caution physicians, and I caution spas and medical centers from doing is just basing themselves on one brand because they're getting more of a discount from that brand. That's a mistake because each one of these fillers inside, some are going to create structural support. Some Mm -hmm. are going to be more hydrophilic, so they're going to attract more water and give Mm -hmm. you what we call anterior projection. Mm -hmm. So... Dr. Ann, for you, we want anterior projection on the cheek. If we did that for for Larry here, he'll look like a woman. So we don't want that <laughs> unless he's doing a transgender-type procedure, mm-hmm. which there's not, a quite... N- not today. Well, not, <laughs> never, Larry, never say never. <laughs> <laughs> Versus something along the jawline, right? We mm-hmm. want to keep his jawline wider. We want to mm-hmm. keep his chin wider because that makes him look masculine. So we're going to use a different filler down in those areas Mm -hmm. where it's not going to be hydrophilic at all but give structural support if we're talking about lips are we talking about a man's lips where we're doing restoration work are we talking about lips like you have where it's maybe augmentation work Mm -hmm. very different fillers that we're going to use we're going to use one that has more structural support we're going to use a different one maybe for a woman where we want to give a little bit more enhancement that Mm -hmm. has more water content yeah so very very different
0: yeah so
2: what i just heard is there's so many different types of fillers that can be used to make such a major difference does that office know these differences that's you know, important that's right see so if they if they have, again if they have one filler One tool, one hammer. It's it's like the hammer. So uh, again, I I think you really have to. The part of this is to be able to do a C lift. You've got to be able to put the whole face together, and you've got to treat each patient individually. You can't. Hundred percent. They're not all the same, and they don't respond the same. But understanding the difference between you know one filler and another, and one you're gonna, this is just gonna be exactly perfect for you, but. For this patient, it'd be a disaster. So again, I think paying attention to that and going to a place where you have confidence in that person to do
3: that. Yeah. And it it boils down to my favorite five-letter word in the office, trust. Trust. Yeah. (laughs) Always (laughs) trust, trust. right? Because what keeps people coming back, and this is the reason we haven't taken new patients other than a couple word-of-mouth referrals since 2016, is because that's part of our family. We're going to, chronologically, we're going to grow old together, but nobody's going to know.
1: Yep, yep, that's that's my goal. I always say vampire forever. I'm going to stay looking the same (laughs) age. Dorian
3: Gray all over again, right? Yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, and that's, you know, the other important thing I like to educate patients on is the opposite side, where we get some people who are overdoing fillers, but we have some people who are afraid of doing fillers thinking that they're going to end up looking like meg ryan or some of these stars who have gone a little bit overboard and and what do you have to to say to these patients
3: good so i think the number one thing is there's hope so and why Mm. do i say that because everything is based on proportions if you look at artists or you look at sculptures uh, and people who create sculptures Mm -hmm. what happens they're really proportionally making those those faces, those busts, whatever it is. And there's certain ratios that are out there. Mm -hmm. And in aesthetic medicine, we often talk about the golden ratio. It's 1 to 1.613. And what does that really mean? It means that most times when we find intrinsic beauty into something, there's a certain ratio where they're set off. So we talk about the upper lip versus the lower lip. How big should the lower lip be compared to the upper lip? Well, Angela Jolie, they used her for years, 100% and the measurement, the everything 100% and she did. She was 1.61 times bigger on her lower lip than her upper lip. But how could she support it? Because she has these massive lips.
2: Yeah.
3: Well, if you look closely, she has a very large, she's a masculine jaw. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And because of the width of her jaw, she was able to support the width of her lips as well as the length of her lips. And so it's all proportions. Mm -hmm. So when people come in and I say they're overfilled, it's not necessarily that they're overfilled, but they're out of proportion. Yes. And that's what we can correct. And sometimes we have to dissolve and we have to start over or sometimes we have to feather some of the dissolving. But the good news is with hyaluronic acid fillers, we can achieve that. And when you see an expert like your office or you see somebody in our office we do that on a regular basis, and we're referred between three to five new patients per week, either by physicians, by med spas, or online to correct these these problems. Mm-hmm. And it's again, it's a game changer. It, it restores that person's confidence because they <coughs> recognize who they see in the mirror.
1: Yes, and that's why I always like to educate patients on that, too. You don't have to be afraid of getting fillers. Getting one, three, five, even seven, eight syringes of fillers, you don't have to look overfilled mm-hmm. with it. It's definitely about who's injecting you and do they understand the proportions and it it goes back to that other part where we were talking about you know in the body contouring is how we're justifying the cost is you definitely want to look for somebody who is well trained who does this all the time, who has years of experience and is not selling it on a groupon. Correct. It's not about yeah. how much that no, filler is right. gonna cost you, 100%, you know.
3: Let me ask you know, um, Larry and I unfortunately we're losing our hair, but Anne, you have beautiful hair. How, <laughs> Thank you. How often do you go to the same hairdresser? Yes, I do. Okay. How often do you go to that hairdresser?
1: Every four to five weeks.
3: Okay. And I presume you pay a premium as good as that looks? Yes. Okay. There's a big difference between a three hundred dollar hairstylist mm-hmm. and a hundred dollar hairstylist oh yeah and there's a big difference that goes between a hundred dollar hairstylist and somebody who just came out of school that's charging twenty dollars well
1: and it when i've had times where she's gotten sick or i've gotten sick well, we wait it's been eight weeks and i wait you yeah worked. i'm not going to anybody else because yeah. i know what happens and yeah. i do the same thing with my nails there's one exactly. person i see exactly because when you go do the random person
3: <laughs> bad things happen yeah. and so that's why find the person that understands your proportions mm-hmm. um your idea of beauty mimics or matches their idea of beauty, whoever Mm -hmm. the injector is, whether it's a physician or healthcare provider, and then you can get those consistent results day in and day out. Yeah, You know, it's a big difference. That's why. And why do you think people are on Groupon? Why do you think they're advertising on Groupon? They don't have enough patients. Yeah. Right? When you have enough patients, you don't need to do any kind of external marketing whatsoever Mm -mm. because it's word of mouth. Like, I will come see you because you look natural Mm -hmm. despite... You know, well, we won't talk age on this on screen. This <laughs> or same thing with Larry. He despite
1: being 29. R- exactly. <laughs> uh, despite,
3: yeah, multiple <laughs> anniversaries of her 29th mm-hmm. birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and same thing with Larry, right? He still looks like a guy, even though he's been getting stuff done.
1: Mm-hmm. It can still be manly to have fillers.
3: Hundred percent, and in fact, I, I wear a thong it. once in a while, but oh, I, <laughs> you know, that's, I, I can't that's comment on that kind of private. So, but, you know, but that's I'm, only on Fridays <laughs> at Camelback. What is that? The yeah, J.W. Marriott yeah. Camelback. So please don't come to J.W. Marriott Camelback <laughs> unless you want to see this on a Friday afternoon. On the end
2: of the week, I just feel like sharing. I, my, my emotional side comes out, and I just thought I'd you know throw it out there for everyone. Is that a one size fits all? <laughs> I was only going to share a certain amount. I'm I'm done now.
1: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. It's definitely a Friday afternoon here in Phoenix, Arizona. So you guys are getting into trouble already.
3: (laughs) And this is before happy hour. I
1: know. We haven't even had a drink. I thought about bringing the bottle of tequila, but then I was like, maybe not. Maybe not. Good thing, right? Well, that's good. And so we talked about the fillers and how important they are. But you brought up another interesting topic earlier is the thread lifts. Yes. So for a lot of people, they don't quite understand what these thread lifts are. They're thinking about them as some of the ones that used to be out there in the past. So let's talk a little bit about threads and how they can be an important part of this non-surgical facelift.
3: Great. So thread lifts have changed quite a bit. In the past, these were true threads and they're they're something that was a permanent implant is what they really were. We used to use these metal implants and we used it to lift up the skin and sometimes some of the muscle. This day and age, mostly what we're using, I think really almost exclusively are sutures. And there's two different types of sutures and different types of suture material that you need to know about. One we talked about is the PLLA, mm-hmm. poly lactic acid. And mm-hmm. that tends to be something that dissolves over a little bit longer period of time. It can be anywhere from six months to 12 months, and sometimes a couple months longer than that to dissolve properly. Along the way, anytime you have lactic acid that's deposited in certain areas underneath the skin, it's going to stimulate your fibroblast to grow. And what a fibroblast does when it wakes up and it, it starts getting active, it produces collagen. There's also something called PDO or polydiaxone threads. And what those are, they're a little bit, I don't say shorter acting, but they dissolve a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. And there's three different major types of threads that you need to look for. The one that's called a barbed, B-A-R-B-E-D, barbed thread. Oftentimes we can hook some of that dermis or the underneath part of the skin, and we can help lift up so mm-hmm. that's something we use for that. Sometimes you need to create volume whether it's in the upper lip or whether it's in the the jawline, whether it's along the under part of the 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 cheekbone. And then you can use what's called a twist and that looks like multiple threads that are sewn together and it looks like a almost like a drill bit. And then, of course, there's smooths, s m o o t h, smooth threads. And what does that do? Those are used a little bit more superficially. So in Europe, those vertical lines on the upper lip are called a barcode. Here we call them smokers' lines.
1: <laughs> barcode. Bar-
3: barcode. I was like, that's really harsh.
1: <laughs> oh, wow, man. But I
2: said
3: that to a patient
2: once, and you know, I regret it ever since. <laughs> <laughs> so so be, that's because we need, because a, barcode, we need yeah. a barcode reader. Right. You
3: know, well, b- Larry's bringing his uh, his mers and his <laughs> barcodes. Back from Europe. Yeah. So that's a that's a male purse, <laughs> just in case you need to know he carries it around with him. But when you're using these smooth it's a threads. Satchel. It's a sa- oh that's right, yes. <laughs> it's a satchel, right. Uh, so when you're using the smooth threads, that's one of those areas where you can put it in along that those little ridges that are on the mm-hmm. upper lip that help without giving that puffy weird look for the lip. Mm-hmm. Or Acne scars, great opportunity to go ahead and break up the scar tissue from underneath Mm -hmm. and then put these superficial little smooth threads up top to Mm -hmm. really create the collagen in that specific area without giving lumps, bumps, or unnaturalness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, recently in the aesthetic show, which was in Vegas last weekend, we had a panel discussion and two of us used threads in our practice on a regular basis and two of us didn't. And it was interesting because both people who didn't use it they haven't even tried them so i said oh. okay i can understand conceptually if you don't like it and they're both facial one was facial plastics one was body plastics and i said i understand i said but why would you not try it so you can talk intelligently about mm-hmm. it because if you tried it and it failed great tell me why it failed let's figure out why it failed well it doesn't give you the same value as a surgery uh, surgical lift I said, well, how do you determine somebody's value for something? Yeah. Right? Unless you're that person that's talking back at you, you're not determining what's valuable Mm-mm. for them. So it didn't make sense. So again, like the two of us have been ta- the three of us have been talking about, it's really about is this one more tool that you have in your toolbox yes. to help you succeed for your patient?
1: Yeah. And I was originally taught years ago to do um, the uh, PDO threads. And I actually learned from Dr. Ed Zimmerman. Of
3: course, Ed. He's a great guy. Oh,
1: he's a great, he's a well-known plastic in Las Vegas. And the way he explained it to me as we're building this toolbox, he said, it's like making a cake. Yes. He said, first, you got to make the cake, which is going to be your energy-based devices, building that collagen underneath. Then you have to frost the cake, which is going to be like your dermal fillers and your neuromodulators, and then your threads are the writing on the icing on the cake. I like that. So it's building the whole thing together, and it's like, yes, you can still have a good cake, but if you want it to really be this amazing one and have that writing and decoration all over it, that's where your threads are coming in to top off this non-surgical facelift. I love it. And
3: continuing with the the cake analogy, remember, every single baker— puts a different flavor into their cake. Yes. So you have to find the cake that you love, mm-hmm. and that's where trust comes in. Find the person that you love seeing because they give you consistent results with the knowledge that they have. Yes. And w- what
2: all of you out there should know is that Dr. Curry and Dr. Ann are both experts at Threads and teach it and, and do advanced training, and, and it can be used on the face, the neck the chest. You can use threads on the breast. You can use it on the butt to do a butt lift. You can, you know, pretty much a stomach, anywhere on the body. And and they do that. And so just be aware. There are a lot of people out there, like Dr. Chillicari just mentioned, you know, they don't like them. They don't seem to like them. And they've never even used them. Mm -hmm. And uh, here you've got two experts that have done a lot of them and really get it and understand it. So again, it's a like we've been talking about, it's a tool in the toolbox. Is, is it uh, every single person that walks in? No. But mm-hmm. for certain situations and certain scenarios, you need that icing on the cake, you need the flavor, you need all that put together, and then your outcome is phenomenal. So, and that's, that's
3: why we do this. Right. And one of the things to point out, just like Larry said, is not everybody's a candidate for it. Yes. We were lucky enough to get a referral from a local physician in the area. That's how she got an appointment with us. And this lovely young lady that came in, she was just not a candidate. Her, her, the face was too full. Her, um, we call them fat pads, but whatever the compartments are that we describe in the face, they were too full just naturally. She may have had a a Twinkie problem, but uh, as a result, she wasn't a good candidate for the threads. It wouldn't give her the result that she wanted. So even though she wanted to pay money, I said, no, no, no. The tissue's too heavy. It's too heavy. And you're not a good candidate. Please don't waste money here.
1: Yeah. Nope. Nope. For sure. Well, now that we know if we want to do these things and there's not a one size fit all. And so it's really finding your baker and getting that recipe Another good question to ask is what order do you treat? So what device goes first or what filler goes first or kind of how do you usually like to treat your patients once you've put together their recipe?
3: Good. So that's a great question. I think it's really dependent on what we're addressing. What uh, do we see that ages that patient the most? Mm -hmm. And the first thing I do is I ask the patient, not just do we give them a mirror, but uh, give them photographs and say, hey, what do you see in this photograph when you were 20 versus what you see here when you're 50, mm-hmm. what, what do you notice as being the difference? And oftentimes people will have certain things. And even though our asceticians will go in, they'll do a consultation first. When I come in for that second consult, because I really want to make sure we can give a home run to every single patient, mm-hmm. I give them the mirror again, I give them a pointer, and I said, if you have a magic wand, would you change anything? And we have patients who come in, they're referred by a family member or a friend, who they're like, no, but Miss, uh, you know, Mary so and so told me to come in because they think I need Botox. I said, What do you think? I'm okay with it, but, you know, they sent me in. I think you don't need anything because there's nothing in the mirror that bothers you. Here's some skincare because I think every single person in the world yes. needs some skincare. Yes. Use a Retin A, use a sunscreen, mm-hmm. high quality in both. And mm-hmm. go go about your business. And in fact, you know what? Because you came here, let's do a complimentary peel because the only thing that can do is brighten your skin. Not mm-hmm. like the Sex in the City peel where your whole face falls off. <laughs> just a little brightening <laughs> that's there. Not so, like the laser
1: peels that Larry like likes to do peels. to people. Yeah.
3: No, he, yeah, he calls that a peel. He, I call it uh, taking your skin off. He's doing like a Freddy Krueger peel.
1: He calls it burning people's faces off. Yes, that's yeah,
3: exactly, it, And that's what he's f- doing. It's a facial barbecue. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it does well. It does well. So I, then I try to address what... Either the patient concerns are first Mm -hmm. because I want to make sure that they gain trust in us. But if it's somebody who's been coming to me for a long time, we have patients that have been coming for 20 years now. And uh, it drives our asceticians nuts when they say, oh, what would you like to address today? Well, whatever he wants. And that's the highest form of compliment that can be out there. Mm -hmm. And when we see 15, 20 patients a day and every single person says that, that's a great day because that means we need to make sure that i visually visit with that patient Mm -hmm. and keep them looking the same yeah that's the key so sometimes it starts with skin texture Mm -hmm. so if they have a lot of modeling or freckling or redness then i start with something that's going to address those usually a laser or a light based device if they have a lot of skin laxity things are just falling off I have to recreate the structure that's inside there sometimes i do a combination of a little bit of filler and sometimes i will use an ultra ultrasound based device to kind of lift up or radio frequency plus ultrasound based device to go ahead and lift up okay sometimes they have more fat in a certain area let's talk about the neck right Mm -hmm. and that's one area that's really hard for us to treat so if their neck is falling down on the sides and they have this big central mound that's inside there well we have at least four or five different technologies that we can use one that you just showed us today yes. that you can dissolve that fat incredible yeah. and that was it took you what 20 25 minutes it's incredible oh, yeah.
1: It's, it's fast. It's fun. You get to hear the fat crackle like bacon. It's Literally. one of my favorite yeah. devices. She's, she's
3: vaporizing the fat. It's so crazy. And again, the patient was so happy. She's chatting with us the whole time, and mm-hmm. she's just thrilled with the results. And that one uh, specific, you said, is a one and done. So there's other devices that are out there. There's one called Morpheus 9, which just came out from a company called InMode, where you're putting that radio frequency microneedling inside at 4 millimeters heating it long enough to make that that fat vaporize or crackle Mm -hmm. like you described yep and so there's neat things that can be done there but you have to get rid of the fat that's pulling down in one area while you're tightening the other area and sometimes it's just the muscle that's pulling it down right so people don't even realize well i never you know my dermatologist never put any any botox down here on my neck how many times do we hear that in a day you know i hear it at least two or three times a day well it's understanding the anatomy well my boat my my provider never put any botox by the corner of my mouth. Well, did they not see every side every single time that you talk? you're pulling down on the corners of the mouth, and that's a muscle called the depressor labii, uh, excuse me, depressor anguli oris. Mm-hmm. And you want to make sure you don't hit the depressor labii inferior yeah. <laughs> because then you're going to be <laughs> drooling. So it's a very, you know... Get that
1: stroke victim look yeah, for a little exactly, bit. Exactly,
3: which I have not seen look good on anybody, not even Leary, <laughs> just to it's, let you know. it's
2: uh, There are television shows right now where I think it would fit. Yeah, <laughs> And so you just got to be creative, think about it a
3: little bit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Think outside the box. Right. So I do. I I address what I think is the number one thing that's aging that person, whether it's skin texture, quality, uh, whether it's looseness of skin, or it's a structural issue. I start with that first.
1: Good. And what do you, you know, and this is always, Larry's pretty good at this one, so this might be a question for him. So when your patient comes in and and we do the same thing, we always give them a mirror and, and have them tell us what's bothering them. But- Visually, sometimes what's bothering them is the tip of the iceberg, and they're missing the entire iceberg underneath the water. How do you let them know that there's an iceberg that they're completely missing?
2: Well, the, there are many different ways of doing it, and different people have their own technique for it, and some people want to let you down gently. Some people just come at it. And, and the fact of the matter is, is if you treat one thing whatever is left behind looks worse
3: mm-hmm.
2: because that's, what, that's where the eye goes. You're going to see that, and it doesn't mean it all has to be done at once, but I think we need to be very truthful about it because, you know, if, you, if someone comes in and says, well, I don't like these, these age spots or brown spots on my face, And I I think I'd really look good if we could get rid of them. So, you know, would you do that? And and the thing is, is yes, of course you're going to do that. It, you know, it absorbs light. If it absorbs light, it makes you look old. So we want you to be reflective. We want you to look more youthful. And we will do that treatment to make that happen. However, where is the eye going to go? It's going to go to the fine lines that are left behind or it's going to go to, you know, wrinkles or texture or whatever it might be. And so I think we, we need to make sure that they understand that there are a few things or a series of things that will probably need to happen so that they can become the best version of themselves. And it's not just one and done. It, it is a series of things. But then when you've done that, think about this you've rebuilt the collagen and elastin. You, so that foundation is back. While the outside is looking better, you're rebuilding the inside. So I, I think there are so many nice tools available today to be able to do that. But you have to, I, I think honesty is still the answer Mm -hmm. you need to be honest there is some things to be done and if I just do this you may be happy for a little bit but over the long long run whatever I don't do is going to stand out so it's contrast right
1: yeah so no definitely so, and it's good, and I think it's good for listeners to realize that there are non-surgical options out there, and it's it's not that we're against surgery, and that's what I always try to tell people. Sometimes there's a place and a time for surgery, and sometimes there's patients who will really benefit from the facelift and or the patients who are willing to do the surgery, and that's going to be the right thing for them. But I'd have to say the vast majority of people who walk through our doors are saying to me, I don't want surgery. What can I do instead? And in this day and age, there really is options for a non-surgical facelift.
3: No, and I agree. And one thing I did want to point out is don't forget, sometimes a surgery is another tool in your toolbox.
1: Yes, absolutely.
3: What I found, at least in the Houston wide area, there's so many surgeons that forget that you have to maintain. Mm -hmm. So they take this, they do the surgery, say, come back when you need me. So that's seven years later is what they usually predict, seven to 10 years. That's incorrect because at the end of that year, you're not as tight as when you got the surgery done. Nope. Why are you not doing maintenance? And what if we can prolong the life of that surgery, that single surgery for the rest of your life and you don't need another one? Yeah. And you, we talked about Joan Rivers earlier. You know, she had three surgeries, at least that we know of, that she yeah. admitted to before she passed away. <laughs> so, <laughs> that she admitted to. Oh, well, I'm just saying, you know, like all of us in this room, we yeah. may have had a little bit of work done or yeah. maybe not, we, we can neither <laughs> neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right,
2: Larry? I, but I know nothing. <laughs> Larry's all natural. <laughs> um, um, but
3: you know, really yes. what, what's important is that you do have to understand that once you have that surgery, and I educate all of, all of mm-hmm. our family members of refreshed Dermatology, I, r- I remind them, once you get the surgery, come back and see me at six months so we can start doing preventative work yes you have to do something that heats the skin to keep it tight you Mm -hmm. have to do something else to keep structure there once or twice a year like we talked about earlier in this podcast you have to be doing an IPL you've got to do that photo facial really to keep the skin and the collagen healthy
1: yes absolutely
3: it's interesting because um
2: uh, uh, we've had patients in our office in their 40s who've already had a facelift And then you're thinking, but wait a minute, you're 40, you have one, you wait a decade, you have one in 50, you wait till 60, you wait 70. I mean, how many surgical facelifts are you going to have?
1: And are the corners and, and, of their mouth going to be touching their ears by yeah, that point?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, you're moving the skin, you know. So, so we, I, I think we have to be very careful about that. I think surgery is absolutely a must for some people, and they, they do well with it. But I think the, the idea of starting so young, and I have a short story. Um, when I started my business, it was 20-some years ago, Um, there is a female attorney in town who helped me actually get started because she said that I should have a clinic and that the way I went about the business and what we did as far as treatments and whatever was as good or better than any place she'd seen in town. And so two weeks later, I started Clear Skin Institute. And then she came back and said, if you don't mind, I would like to host a luncheon. And bring my friends, and she brought in 14 women that were well known. Uh, they all had money, um, you know, very well known in the community. And what was so interesting is we were talking. We were all sitting there, and we had lunch and wine. And I did a presentation, and but but I asked, and they actually went around the room, and they had all been to plastic surgeons, and they had all been quoted for a surgical facelift. And what was so frustrating for me at that time was not one of them needed a, a facelift, you know. But, but if, if surgery is what you do, that's what you do. That's your hammer. That's your hammer. So we, mm. it always goes back to that. And it, it's not that it would have harmed them, it's that it's not necessary today. Mm-hmm. And, and now we have so much technology. And again, there are some people that come in and we refer them for a surgical facelift.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But if you don't need it, you don't need it. So I think
3: that's that's the story. That's yeah. great. And it's a risk-benefit ratio as well. Yes. If your risk for surgery is higher than the benefit that you're going to gain, why would you do surgery? Absolutely. Is it just to be, is it for financial rewards? Well, guess what? That financial re- reward goes to the physician, not to you. Yeah. And they're doing you a disservice by doing something like that. So I agree with you. I you know, find somebody who's honest that actually knows what they're doing. I think that's the number one bottom line that we have. Gain trust in them. Let them earn your trust. Yes. And then uh, listen to their recommendations. You know, that's the whole key. Don't let them sell you something. If you're with the right, you know, the clear skin family, the refreshed mm-hmm. dermatology family, We're never going to steer you the wrong way. We want to make sure that whatever you do is going to give you the greatest benefit. It's not about whether you pay us or not. It has nothing to do with that. It's what's going to be you, the patient, getting the best benefits.
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, we're going to get ready to wrap this episode up. So I always bring it back to the end of uh, Larry. For our patients today and our practitioners out there, what is your last word of advice for them today?
2: Well, one of the things when I'm giving talks that I use all the time, and one of the little short statements I make is, you get what you tolerate. And if you tolerate average, that's what you're going to get. And so you you need, you know, if you want exceptional, you've got to seek it out. Or you will get average, you know. So, what do you tolerate? What do you tolerate for yourself in in your life? What do you tolerate in your business? What do you tolerate for your your appearance? And so, I think it's just, it just comes down to real simple. Whatever it is you're tolerating, that's what you that's that's where you are. If you want more than that, you've got to you've got to put a little time and effort into it. Seek it out and go for the best. It, it, it is so worth it.
1: Yeah, definitely so. Well, thank you all for joining us. And thank you, Dr. Chilakuri, for coming all the way down here. Awesome. We've had a fun day. And we will see you all next week.
0: Thank you for listening to What Would Larry Do? featuring Dr. Ann. Hear it live each week here or anytime 24-7 on demand at StarWorldWideNetworks.com.